0: Stories. Fables. Ghostly Tales. Lillian Madrip is no ordinary girl, gifted with powers to see into the future, and seemingly order reality to take shape at her will. We learn that her friend Meredith has her own angel, Nathaniel, And Lily's power to talk to angels is not something that she's dreamed up in her head. Welcome listeners, to the continuation of the series, my name is Lily Madwip and my parents are the devil. From your author, Lillian Madwip. And right now I'm drinking Earl Grey Tea Royale, which is a mix between Blue Mountain Leaf Tea, Bergamot and Earl Grey. Good god, it's delicious. So pour yourself a tea of your own, turn off the lights, turn up the sound, and listen to a tale of a child in a world of the unknown. My name is Lily Madwip, and my parents are the devil. And I mean both of them. Like Satan split in two and became two people. And then they came up to earth and said, Let's Let's have have a baby. baby. And they had me, and then they said, Now, let's let's torture torture it. it. I guess they had Roger first. They never tortured him, though. They bought him a drum set, so he could torture the rest of us with it. Maybe he was also Satan. Maybe Satan split into three people. I didn't see Roger born, so this could very well be the case. Hey, Lily, where's Pascal? That's not Satan, that's Jamal. He's riding the bus with me like he always does. He and two other boys ride to my school and then hang out until the rest of us all go in and then they walk down to their Catholic school. Jamal is my neighbor and probably the closest thing I got to a friend. He'd also probably be dead now if it wasn't for me. Then again, things seem to die when I'm around. So maybe he wouldn't have almost died if it wasn't for me. I'm just going to blame my plastic paratrooper for that one. Oh man, my plastic paratrooper is still up there in the tree. He must be cold. It's Pascal, not Pascal. And I don't know where he is. My devil dad took him. I tell Jamal, "Uh Uh-oh, did you do something? That's a big question. Did I do something? I got my brother Roger killed three months ago. Then... I let my therapist die to a food allergy. You, Jamal, you still have nightmares about all the dead animals we found in the forest, thanks to me. I made Lisa Welch break her teeth on the playground. But you don't know Lisa Welch. You're so lucky you don't know Lisa Welch and her crew of jerk girls. Can I start going to Catholic school? I wonder. I believe in angels and God and definitely... The devil now. Stupid devil parents. No. Then there was the entire pet store at the mall. That was like a plague of biblical proportions. Proportions means size. Like you get food in portions and those are small. Then you get proportions and those are big. In other words, it was a big, bad thing. Dead puppies and kitties everywhere. I think I did that somehow because I got too close. To the angel of death. Something about me and her, the lady in black. If we get too close, things die. People die. I wonder if she was in the woods behind my house the day all those animals died. She scares me. Jamal's friend, Greg, leans over the bus seat and grins at me. Greg has bright orange hair. I don't think it's natural. Like, who has hair that orange? Jamal says it's ginger, but I've seen gingerbread men, and they're brown like my hair. Other people say Greg's hair is red. I don't know why you don't just call orange hair, orange. Maybe your angel doll flew back to heaven? Greg says, You'll never know. I mutter, If either of us isn't getting into heaven, it's the girl who kills everybody. Greg takes heaven and hell very seriously. Jamal shoves Greg away so you can't see the future without pascal right pascal and yes i can greg pops up again then what's going to happen to me lily nothing nothing's going to happen to greg stupid greg and his stupid orange not orange hair i don't have anything against people with orange hair but greg is the only one i know and he's stupid you're going to die sad and alone Greg doesn't like that answer. I don't even know if it's true. I can't see that far into the future. Pascal would know. He knows things like that. Pascal knows everything. And he always comes back to me. He's always come back before, at least. I spent all yesterday looking for him. I called for him. But he didn't respond. I can usually hear him regardless of whether he's in like a box or drawer or under my Wonder Woman blankets. I hear Pascal in my head, not my ears. When I couldn't find him, I begged my mum to let me have him back. I promised that I'd talk to her and dad. I promised that I wouldn't keep any secrets. She hugged me and kissed me on the head and said, Lily Bean, listen. Nothing good ever comes after being told to listen. If parents have good things to say, they know you're listening. If they got bad things to say, They want to be sure you're listening. I managed to get you scheduled for an emergency MRI at the hospital the day on Tuesday. What's an MRI? Mr. I? It's a scan that lets the doctors see your insides. Why? I thought maybe my insides were turning into jelly from being exposed to the Angel of Death. Maybe I'm dying and I don't know it. I wonder if jelly is just people's insides, unless they specify grape jelly... Then it's the inside of a grape. My mom petted me. She thinks that's comforting, but I haven't been comforted from head pat since second grade. And then it was only because I was pretending to be the family pet. We just want to make sure everything's okay. But what does that have to do with Pascal? I asked. If you behave and nothing happens, we'll see about returning Pascal after the MRI. Okay? It was not Okay. And now I'm sitting on the bus with stupid Greg the Bozo Clown and going to have to deal with Meredith wanting to sit near me at school without Pascal to talk to. Sure enough, I get to school and see Meredith standing over by the swings, watching me. So I go sit by the baseball diamond to watch Jamal play kickball. Nobody's going to get hit in the crotch today, but I hope that Meredith doesn't spot me. Greg runs by and throws his backpack with the others, he sticks his middle finger up at me and his tongue out. He is not going to heaven. Where's Pascal? Oh, shit. It's Meredith. Oh, crud. I said the S-word. No, no, it's okay. It was in my head. He's at home. I tell her, inching over a bit on the bench as she sits down. Meredith sets things on fire, at least according to her melted Barbie angel, Nathaniel. She's got him sticking up out of her backpack looking at me with his... her... it's... melted lump hand, waving at me. "'Did you hear about what happened in the mall on Saturday?' I sigh quietly. (sighs) "'I heard there was a terrorist attack, like a bunch of people died.' She's staring off at the kids trying to play kickball, but if she was looking at me she'd see. I don't want to talk about this. "'Hey, Meredith?' "'Yeah?' "'What are your parents like?' I already know part of that answer, though. Her parents are dead. Nathaniel told me she burned them right to ashes. I'm not trying to make her angry, but I'm not really too worried about it right now. I just miss Pascal and want to change the subject. Meredith goes from sitting there watching the game to slouching and looking at her feet. I can tell my question upset her, and I feel bad. But I also feel like I need to know more if I'm going to be safe around her. She wants to be my friend, and that's more than most people want. Except Jamal. They died in a fire. Nathaniel remains quiet. I hope that if I upset Meredith in the wrong way, he'll warn me before she sets me on fire like her parents. I'm sorry. I put a hand on her shoulder. My mum always does that when she sits by me, and I'm sad. Maybe I should pet her, but then I don't like that and people might see us, so it might be weird. Do they know what caused the fire? I... I don't. Oh no, she's crying. I'm supposed to hug her, right? Tears on the playground are a sign of weakness. We can't let Lisa Welch's crew of Jerk Girls see Meredith crying. I hug Meredith. Nathaniel seems to approve. Thanks, Nathaniel. Okay, that conversation taught me nothing. Darn it. I burn things with my hands. Scratch what I just said. You burn things. I repeat. Meredith nods and wipes her eyes. The side of her face she hides under her hair is still all red and waxy looking. But she can't help that. She's blubbering a bit, which is like crying and not like whale fat because, you know, whale fat's not an action word. My hands get real hot and whatever I touch gets burned. It never burns me. The fire I make, it doesn't burn me. Usually I have to touch things with my hands to burn them. But, but one time, fire started and I knew it was me. Because I was angry and my hands got hot. But then it just happened and I wasn't even touching nothing. And then there was the fire. The one that did this. She pointed to her face and held up her melted barbie. I was asleep when it started. But it must have been me. I'm the one that causes bias. I thought you said your fire doesn't burn you. I don't know. This one did. I have a gift too. Please Please don't don't wig out out on me. me. I think. Meredith looks at me. Her eye on the burn side of her face looks kind of milky. I wonder if she can see out of it. My nana had this thing called glaucoma before she died. And it made her eyes all milky and she had trouble seeing. She used to bump into things a lot, but that wasn't what killed her. She just got old and her insides stopped working right. I wonder if my insides are working right. I wonder if I'm going to get glaucoma. I can see things before they happen, I whisper. I don't know why I'm whispering. I guess I'm treating it like it's a secret. But everybody on this stupid playground knows this. Or at least they know I think this. I think most of them think I'm crazy. What kind of things? Meredith asks. Everything, I tell her. Sometimes it's a feeling, and sometimes I see an actual vision thing. And sometimes I smell things before there's smells. I mean, there's always smells, but like I smell popcorn before people cook popcorn. One time, I really wanted popcorn because I'd been smelling it for like an hour. So I asked my parents to make popcorn, and then I had popcorn. That's not the best example. I knew my brother Roger was going to die before he died. I even tried to save him, but he died anyway. Meredith looks at me and her face is like... like someone seeing a dolphin for the first time. Wonder, that's the word. I don't know if maybe it's the face of her realizing I'm crazy, or she's found someone like her with a true gift or curse if you want to look at it that way maybe she's really wanting popcorn now gosh i kind of want popcorn now so you really knew that girl was going to fall on her face last week i frown well no that was i was meeting that one up but then it did happen after all i don't know how to explain that that never happened before just like me Meredith nods. I used to burn things just with my hands, and then three months ago, I was at a carnival, and my mum and dad and this whole stage caught fire, but I wasn't even touching it. It's never happened before. She gets kind of quiet. Some kid got killed. Kind of like your brother. I didn't mean for it to happen. It just happened. I don't know if that's really the same thing. The bell rings. So Meredith and I grab our stuff and head to get in line. I watch Jamal and stupid Greg run off to head to their school. Suddenly, I feel a strong shove that almost knocks me over. I look around, but nobody's near me. Meredith is ahead in line, and I start to realize that this was not an actual happening, but a forewarning. Before I can think about it, an older kid pushes Meredith as he walks by her. Out of my way, freak face. He says at her. She stumbles the same as I did, but stiffens. And I see her clench her fists and shake for a moment. Then the insides of her hands start to look glowy hot, like an oven burner. I think the bad word again. From behind us, there's this sound like a wave of water. And everybody turns to look at one of the trees along the edge of the parking lot bursts into flame. It goes up like the flames are coming up out of the ground, and then the whole thing is just covered with fire. Nothing else burns. Just the tree. Whoa! Everybody marvels, except one kid who yells, Holy shit! Yes, I wrote it down, but I didn't say it. So it doesn't count. I can hear Nathaniel. Lily, hurry. Calm her down. Lily, get up here. Hurry! So I shove past the kids in line, who are looking at the burning tree, as adults start to panic and grab children and try to drag them inside, and I put my hand on Meredith's shoulder and I say, Meredith, it's okay. Meredith, I'm here. She unclenches her fists, and I can feel her shoulders relax. Nathaniel thanks me. Thank you, Lily. I wish Pascal was here. The tree keeps right on burning, of course. We're all rushed inside while everyone is shouting about what the hell just happened. I follow the line with Meredith go to my cubby, run through the routine of putting my stuff away, but miss the steps of getting Pascal and feel sad again. We can hear the fire truck arriving outside as we all sit down. Meredith hides her face. I lean over and whisper to her, Also, there's an angel in your Barbie. She turns and stares at me with like a half-angry, a half-baffled kind of look on half her face. I didn't really think that about her having half a face but with her hair hiding the burnt half, I can't really see it. What? She asks. Nathaniel sits there on her desk with his burnt hair, and scorched face and lumpy hand, and says nothing. I point at him. His name is Nathaniel. Meredith looks at her Barbie. That's a boy's name. It's your angel's name. Maybe this is too much information right now. I'm hitting her with a lot of new things. I can see things before they happen and her Barbie has an angel with a boy's name inside it. I mean, for me. I'd probably just think, of course. But I have seen things and heard them. Meredith can't seem to hear the angels. Look, I can prove it. I turn to Nathaniel. I ask him to tell me something about her that I shouldn't know. Meredith watches me stare at her Barbie. What are you doing? I'm talking to Nathaniel in my head. This isn't funny, Lily. Lily. She reaches for Nathaniel. You got him as a six-year birthday present from your friend Jessica Pritchard, I declare. Meredith stops. She looks at me with her shocked face again. I'm starting to get used to her making the shocked face at me. I kind of forget what her happy smiley face looks like. Lily Madwip? Mrs. Carter Dogbill calls my name for attendance and I raise my hand. Here, Meredith picks up Nathaniel. How did you know? Nathaniel told me. Why can you hear him, but I can't? I shrug. I don't know. I guess that's part of what I can do. I can see things before they happen, and I can hear the angels. Lewis Brody, the boy who sits in front of us, turns around. Oh my god! Will you two shut up? You're both crazy! Meredith scowls, but I nudge her shoulder, and when she looks at me, I quickly shake my head at her. Please don't kill us all. We haven't had a fire drill in months. We wait until lunch to talk more. Meredith and I sit alone at our table because nobody wants to sit with the new girl with the burned face or mad Lily the witch who cursed Lisa Welch and caused her to break her front teeth and ruin her perfect smile that her daddy spent so much time and money on. Stupid Lisa Welch. I haven't seen her since last week and I'm glad. Her crew of jerk girls are lost without her and they keep to themselves. I was at the mall when the people died. I tell Meredith as I eat my crackers. They're shaped like little fish, but they're not the fancy brand kind because my dad never buys anything name brand. They taste like someone salted a dried onion. Meredith looks at me but says nothing. She can't talk because she's got a peanut butter sandwich in her mouth, and the white bread is sticking to the roof of her mouth with the peanut butter on it. It looks kind of funny to watch her, to try to peel it off with her tongue. It wasn't terrorists. It was a lady, dressed in black. There was black smoke around her feet, and everything got real quiet, like your head was underwater. I couldn't hear anything, except the angel. She had an angel with her like we do, usually. Oh, Pascal. Hmm? Meredith says. That means, yeah, in peanut butter mouth. I didn't see it on her, but it spoke to me. It told me just to run, and that we couldn't be close because it was bad. And then, the pet store got wiped out. Just everything died. I clearly have her undivided attention because she stopped chewing and just stares at me with bug eyes. I'm kind of glad she stopped chewing because she smacks her mouth a lot, and I was ready to stick the carrot sticks my dad packed into my ears. They don't fit though because he cuts them into triangles, And I actually tried that once and the pointy edge of the carrot hurts. But that's a long story. That was Dumas, Nathaniel says. Yeah, that's right. That was the name. Then I realize Meredith didn't hear what he said. The angel said its name was Dumas. Dumas is silence, Nathaniel tells me. Dumas is retribution for the wicked. I have no idea what that means, I tell Nathaniel. Meredith just sits there looking perplexed. It must be confusing not hearing half of a conversation. I feel like I should repeat what Nathaniel says, but then to me it to sound like an echo, and to others, it to look like I'm talking to myself. The lunchtime monitor, Miss Grayson, already gave me a funny look just a moment ago. Dumas collects the souls of bad people. Fine, I can't take Meredith not knowing what's going on. Besides. She might get angry that I'm having a secret conversation with a melted Barbie and burn the whole school down. The angel with the black fog lady is called Duma, and he punishes bad people by killing them, apparently. Close enough, says Nathaniel. He's not like Pascal in so many ways, like the fact that he's a naked Barbie. But does that mean all the animals in the pet store were bad? I ask. Meredith shrugs and finishes chewing a sandwich. Mmm, maybe they peed on their owners. I don't think peeing on someone when you're a pet makes you a bad person. Maybe if you were a person that would be different. Nathaniel interrupts. When two of you come in close proximity, what? Of each other, it amplifies. Stop! Jesus Christ! Why does your angel have to talk like he's a scientist in a sci-fi movie? Meredith pats Nathaniel. Because he's smarter than your angel? I doubt that, Pascar knows everything, yours doesn't know some stuff. Like what? Like how to use words that I know what they mean. I don't want to get into this. I shove six carrot sticks in my mouth to end the conversation. The bell rings for recess and we go outside. Most of the other kids run over to the black charred tree that Meredith burned. There are a couple of teachers standing guard and the whole spot is taped off. There's water and some sort of foam. Probably from a fire extinguisher all over the tree's branches and trunk. This was because you and Meredith are too close to each other, Nathaniel says. Meredith looks at the crowd around the tree. Someone gets past the tape and calls out that it's still hot, and the teacher grabs him and drags him away. What, what do you, do you mean? mean? I asked Nathaniel. Just, Just like, like you, you say happened at, at the mall, each of you has an ability... ability When one of you comes too close to another, each increases the ability of the other, often uncontrollably. So like Meredith can burn stuff without touching it, I say out loud, and I don't just see things happen, I make them happen. What? Meredith asks. Exactly, and Dumas causes silence and death? Why didn't Pascal tell me about this? Nathaniel says nothing. Meredith realises I'm talking to her Barbie without her. She hugs it and backs away. "'Tell you about what? We gotta be careful if we're going to be friends,' I say. "'I make you able to set fire without touching things, and you make me able to affect what happens. At least that's what HE says!' I point at her doll. "'What about the Duma Death Angel Lady?' Nathaniel corrects her. "'Duma?' "'I don't know. She must have been at the mall looking for a bad person. I think she was confused about what was going on and saw me, and saw I could see it too, but didn't understand what was happening. Kinda like you burning things and me making Lisa break her teeth. We didn't understand. This is all way too much for me to deal with in a day. I'm still upset and confused about where my parents hid Pascal. And Tuesday, I gotta go to the hospital and get scanned for my insides. But now that I know some of what's going on, maybe I can figure out, how to explain it to my mother. Let's go play on the swings, I suggest. That big tree branch is going to crack and fall off and hit a couple of kids in a minute anyway. Oh my god. Meredith looks back at her burned tree. Are they going to die? I start walking to the swing set. No, but one of them is going to go to the nurse crying. We sit on the swings and watch as the kids around the tree start to wander off. Some still remain. Just enough that when the tree branch breaks, and everybody hears it happening? Not everybody can get out of the way in time. It falls on the two I saw it happen to, and one of them laughs it off with his friends, while the other who took the heavier end on his shoulders is helped away crying by one of the playground monitors. "'Do you think you made that happen?' Meredith asks me. "'Not this time.' I feel a little better when I get home. Mum and Dad still won't believe me about Angels and knowing what happens before it happens, But at least I know I won't kill them both by saying it will happen. At least not if Meredith isn't there. Dad sits out on the front porch and waves to me as he sees me coming down the street. I got you something. He hands me a harmonica. I don't know how to play a harmonica. I tell him. He smiles. He hasn't smiled really like this since Roger died. I'll teach you. I kind of want to learn how to play the drums like Roger did. He looks away and I can see him getting misty. Not like fog, but like he's crying, but trying to hide it. I give him a hug, and he hugs me back. Dad? Yeah? I didn't do it. I know, sweetie. It's a nice harmonica. It's all shiny and silver, and says Blues Band on it. It makes a different sound whether you exhale into it, or inhale. I think my dad has this one in his workroom. I wonder if I get to keep this. Also, a tree caught fire at school today. That wasn't me either. Oh, okay. So, no call from the principal this time. Not today. Maybe my dad isn't really the devil. Just brilliant. Lillian Madwip is a talented writer. What I like about their style is the dialogue that takes place between the angels, her friend and her own mind. From a writing perspective she makes it appear seamless and the dialogue natural. The quirks of our main character, particularly the words that she's using, really has me enjoying the character and understanding her all the better. The new theory that Nathaniel raised regarding the powers being amplified is along the same lines as my initial guesses in previous episodes, in that I assumed that it was a power Lily possessed but we now know it's due to that amplification by proximity. Nathaniel also points out that the angel of death kills sinners, but perhaps when close to Lily, she amplifies the angel of death killing anything and everything. Fascinating. I hope you enjoyed this episode and there are more to come. This Friday I might shake it up with an old time radio episode, cover more of Lily Madwip's storyline or something very different. So. I'll see you Friday, you lovely listeners, and as always, till next time.